turn to your neighbor and tell the person, there is more. Turn to another person and tell the person, there is more. So tell the person, don't settle for less. Oh, hallelujah. This morning, someone's faith is going to be lifted to the next level. You will not settle for anything less. I remember the first time I preached this, a part of this message. It wasn't titled, there's more, but I preached it as a part of a series, Divine Establishment. And then when I finished the message, Deborah, like my little sister, decided that like the message was like was for her. And then I'll, I'll see Deborah. Deborah is going to do this for her room. Then Deborah is doing this. And Deborah, like, Deborah, then I said, Deborah, why? Why are you, why, what, what is happening? He says, Pastor Ima, you said we shouldn't live anything less than a dignified life. So I'm living a dignified life. I mean, she was an, an example of someone who took the word and literally decided that I will not settle for less. And I, I pray that we will not settle for less. This past week, I was watching uh, an interview, a documentary by um, this um, Sid Roth. He's, he's one of the journalists in the U.S. Um, he's also into ministry, and he interviews people on his show, The Supernatural. And, and he made a profound statement, and he said that he's, they are trying to come up with an animation to help children so that the things that are going on in the schools, because his grandchild came home, and then the grandchild told him that my teacher asked me whether I'm a male or a female. Can you imagine? And, and so he, she decided that, um, he decided that we we're going to have animations to help to correct these things. And then he made a profound statement and he said that we are getting the best technology. We are getting the best people because we don't settle for anything less. You know, one thing about a lot of Christians is that we settle for mediocre things. When you start talking about big things, then people are like, oh, pastor, oh, let, let's just try to manage it a little. Let's, let's just try to do it a little this way. Let's just try to do it a little. But, but can you imagine the one who is your father is the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's the maker of the heavens and the earth. The Bible says he's the possessor of the heavens and the earth. He's the creator of the universe. So how is it that your father is the creator of the universe and you want to settle for anything less than what he has purpose for you? Now, this morning, I'm coming to challenge us to break out of the mentality that as for us, oh, just a little. But I mean, just a, a small one bedroom with some small hall, with some small porch, and some little kitchen. I have some few gadgets here and there. It's enough. Pastor, that's cool for me. What if God wanted much more than that for you? So that you have, you have a very beautiful mansion and then the next time we are hosting a guest preacher here, instead of going to put the guest preacher in a hotel, because your house is more beautiful than the hotel, we'll come and put the guest preacher in your hotel, in your house, and by the time the guest preacher leaves, the blessing of the Lord is resting upon you. What if God has much more for you than this? What if God wants you to have much more so that when we say that we are building a, an edifice for the church, you just come and say, Pastor, please stop making a lot of noise about who will say this, who will do this. Pastor, please, I'm signing one check and that one check is enough to build the edifice. What if God has much more than that for you? What if there was a flood in a village and then you had much more so you could single-handedly take care of all the villages or even the explosion that happened recently that the whole town was collapsed that because you had more you could single-handedly take care of the residents of that place. What if God had much more for you than what you are settling for because of someone else's life? Do you know one reason why we settle for less is because most of them are not. We are thinking about just me, I, 
myself. But God has much more for us because it is not about you at all. It is about destinies and lives that are connected to your life. And so if you settle for less, do you know what you are doing? You are depriving generations of what they can benefit from your life. Oh, I will not settle for less. Tell someone I will not settle for less. I remember that I, I went to a shop with Aram and Aram is a shopper. I mean, when you are going to a shop with her, you have to warn her before you get to the shop. Otherwise, she will disgrace you because she wants to pick everything. But this particular occasion, we went to the shop. And when we went to the shop, I said, Aram, what do you want? She just picked a biscuit and a lollipop. I said, Aram, is that all you want? She said, yes. I was shocked because that day, in fact, my, you know, when your money is there, you, you brag, you say, what do you want? When your money is not there, you say, when we go, don't touch it. <laughs> When your money is there, you go and, uh, oh, honey, don't you? And you know, you, you want the attendants to know that, like, 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 this is the father, he's here. <laughs> oh, honey, is that all you want? I said, that, that's all you want. The day I wanted to flex, she, that's all she wanted. <laughs> and, and she settled for less because she could have had much more in the shop. I had more to be able to give to her, but she settled for less. How many times has God wanted to pour more? And he's asking you, is that all you want? And he said, that's all I want. And God said, no, I want much more than that for you. Then I remember another example with, with our, our second girl, our second and last girl. Those of you who have been praying for us that we'll have a third one, please convert the prayer to something else. <laughs> our second and last born. And, 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 and this girl, I mean, that was a couple of months ago. When she sees my wallet, she's just so fascinated about the wallet. Why? Because she wants to pull everything out. And I was going to preach somewhere and then I was dressing up so I put my wallet on the bed and she, she was like this because that was her, her next favorite word to dada. So this, 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 she was pointing this and, and I knew that if I give that wallet to her, she's going to scatter it. So I pulled one CD note, a fresh one and gave it to her. Thinking that once I have given it to her, we are done. There's no this. I put a wallet in my pocket and she was pointing this, this, this. Because she realized that, no, when I saw the wallet, it wasn't just one CD I saw in it. I saw more in it. Why is it that you are giving me less? No, I want more. So she was like, this, this, this. And when I gave her the wallet, she opened it and began to take everything. And you know what? Can you imagine how we can also do that to our Heavenly Father and say that, Father, I saw in your word and I saw much more than what I am receiving now. I saw much more than the little that I have now. And so, Father, in your word, there is this and there is that and there is that and there is that. So, Lord, I will not settle for less. Lord, I want more. I want much more than this. I want healing for my body. I want health for myself. I want riches for myself. But I don't just want it for myself. I want to have transgenerational blessings. What goes beyond me? So it takes us to a passage in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 to 21. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Shout a big amen. amen. Wow. I know a lot of us have heard this passage, but I'm going to try to help you to understand it. Now, this is a prayer that Paul was praying for the Ephesian church. And he was praying for 
the church as a whole, you and I. He says that too. And, and, and whilst he was praying that prayer, he came to this place where he, was, he wanted to give thanks to God for us. But in giving thanks, he gave us a revelation of what God is able to do. So he says that to him who is what? Able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think. But before he made this statement in the verse 19, he said that, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That was Paul's prayer. Do you know, baby, Paul was saying that my prayer and my desire for you is that you will not have just a part of God, but that you will be filled with all of God, the fullness of God. That means that once you have come to know the Lord, my prayer and my desire is that you will not settle for anything less than what God has for you. That, that everything that God has in, in, intended and purposed for your life, that you would experience all of that. That, that, that Andrew, if God wants you to experience him in your prayer time where he will walk literally into your room. Paul says, I don't want you to settle for anything less than that. I don't want you to pray and then you have an angel visit you and say, ah, oh, I have an angel. Then you come there, I, I saw an angel. That's all. No, what, what if God didn't just want you to see an angel? What if God wanted you to have an encounter with Jesus Christ himself in your room? So he says, that I want you to experience the fullness of God, that you'll be filled with all the fullness of God. Can you imagine? Oh God, help us to be filled with all the fullness of you. Yeah, yeah, all the fullness. That there is more. You, you, you just can't settle for less. The, the apostle Paul had experienced so much in God. He had seen so much in God and he realized that ah, even what I have experienced in God, there is so much more. Because this same apostle said that there is a man that I knew 14 years ago and this man was caught up to the third heavens. But, but I, and, and words that were uttered are words that we cannot utter in human language. And so Paul had experienced God to a certain level and he still knew that there was more. This same Paul said in Philippians that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He says, I count all these things but don't. All the things that I've experienced in the past, I, I count them as foolishness because there is so much more. So he said, this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark. Do you know what we do? What we do is that when God does one thing for us, we settle there and we sit there and we are, we are stuck in the past when God has moved far beyond the past and he's already ahead of us. And Paul says that I don't want to be stuck in the past. This one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I don't know how many of us are ready to press toward that, that you leave the things that are behind. Look, Adiki, what God has done in your life, it is nothing compared to what he's about to do. No, no, so you don't have to sit down and be excited. Oh, God has done this. Oh, God has done this. Look, baby, until I see the dead raised in my ministry, I haven't got, even that, when the first dead is raised, it's an indication that the second dead can be raised. No, no, because you see, if we settle for less, then there's, there's so much more God can do, but we will not experience. He says that if you believe in me, these works that I do, you will do also, and greater works than these. Uh, 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 who, who said that? Jesus. These works that I do, you will do them, and what? Greater works than, so if I have not even started the, these works, how do I settle when I have not even moved to the greater west? I don't know, people of God, but you cannot settle for less than what God has for you. 
Some of you, your minds are blessed. Intelligently, you are blessed. God wants you to go on with your academics, do your master's, do your PhD. And if, if they decide to introduce anything beyond PhD, do it. Because there is much more than what you have. Some of you, your business is doing well. Oh, everyone is coming. Some one shop somewhere. What if God wanted you to have a conglomerate of, of businesses? It's not just shops. You have business and you are traveling up and down and supplying for people. What if God had much more than that for you? So Paul says that I want you to be filled with the fullness of God. But then look, it goes to verse 20 and he says, To him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, Above all that we ask or think. So he's saying that God can do much more than you open your mouth to ask. And God can do much more than you think in your mind. Now Paul uses the word um, exceedingly abundantly to show us that whatever we are desiring from God is far, whatever God is going to do for us is far above what we are desiring from him. When we say God is an exceedingly abundantly God, it means that, you see, if you ask God for one, God can do more than one. God can do more than ten. God can do more than eleven. Now, the, the last time I read the scriptures, the people in the wilderness were hungry. And then the disciples came to Jesus and said that the people are hungry. What should we do? And then Jesus said something. What do we have? And he said that they have two Five loaves of bread and two fishes. I mean, the five loaves of bread and two fishes were not enough, but the people had to be fed. Can you imagine what the God of exceedingly abundantly did? He made sure that all the people there were fed. And for your information, there were 5,000 men. It means that there could have been more than 15,000 people because where men are, you can count more women generally and you can count more children so there could have been more than 15,000 people there the God of more than exceeding abundantly made sure that every one of these people were fed and they gathered 12 baskets ah, as an excess to show that he's a more than enough God that he does not just do what you are expecting he can exceed what you are expecting he can exceed what you are expecting Oh, I pray that someone will get this and understand this revelation. So when God does an exceedingly abundantly thing in our lives, do you know what we do? This is our testimony. We say, oh, ask for this God. How many of you have said, ask for this God? How many of you have said, God did it again? Oh, like in Nigerian language. Then, 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 then we say, what God has done, I'm even speechless. Now, when God does the exceedingly abundantly, then we say, this could only be God. No, like this one, it couldn't be any other person but what? But only God. And so Psalm 81 verse 10, it says that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill Oh, Open your mouth wide and I, what? I will fill it. Because you see the God who does much more, however you open your mouth is how he's going to fill it. No, if, if you open your mouth this small, this God is going to fill it this small. If you open your mouth this wide, he says, I will fill it. Because the problem is not so much about what God can do. It is much more about what you can access from God. 
He says the earth is the Lord and what? The fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell in it. So everything belongs to this God. It's not so much about what God can do. It's about what? How much you can access from what God can do. And so we see that this is a God who is inexhaustible. And he meets exhaustible needs. You can't exhaust God. But our needs can be exhausted. And here, can you get in life? But this God, he's inexhaustible. And he can do much more than what you are thinking as your needs. This God is an unlimited God who meets the limited desires of humans. Can you believe that this same God that we are talking about, who is able to do exceedingly, exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or imagine, he made Solomon make silver. Silver that people are chasing after today. Silver was common like stone in Israel in the days of Solomon. Can you imagine the God of exceedingly abundantly? <laughs> Can I tell you, people of God, it is not so much about what God can do or cannot do. It is about what you can access from this God. When we talk about this God, we are saying he's, a, he's an all-sufficient God who can attend to the needs of men that have boundaries. We talk about a God who is almighty, who can come through every single situation. Now, when the Bible uses the word able, it says he's able to do. That word in the Greek is the word dunamai. It's a very interesting word because this word means to have power, whether by virtue of one's own ability and resources, and through a state of mind, through favorable circumstances, or by permission of law. So when we say that God is able to do, it means that God has the power in himself. To do whatever he wants to do. But God will not just do it. He does it according to the principles that he has set. That word able. It means that what he has to do. He has to be by permission. Even though he has the power to do it. He cannot just do it. That is why, that is why a lot of believers are still in the state in which we are. Because God has the power. He is able. He has the power to do it. But the power needs permission. Can you imagine this all-powerful God needs permission to execute what he's going to execute? So when the, Paul, the Apostle Paul says that he's able to do it, it means that God does not derive his power from an external source. Can I tell you something? That because God does not de derive his power from an external source, there is no day that you wake up and God will say, my power has diminished. No, no. In fact, there is no way you wake up one day and have a doom saw with God. Because God is not connected to any other power source. The power is in himself. He generates the power by himself. He generates the power out of himself. How he does that, I don't know. And I don't want to worry myself about knowing how God generates the power. But all I know is that the power is within him and comes from him. And that is where my assurance and my confidence is. That there is no way one day someone is going to wake up and tell God that God, enough. I'm the one who supplies you the power. Today you didn't do well so I'm cutting the power. See the thing about someone supplying the power is that they can dictate and say whatever they want at any time no one can wake up and place sanctions on God because the power comes out of himself and the power is generated within him so people of God can I tell you something that you have a God who will never wake up one day and have a limitation placed on him because he is the power by himself he's a power by himself God releases the power as, as he chooses when he says he's able, it means that he releases the power as he what? Chooses. He doesn't need consultation. Can I break some news to you? God doesn't need permission from your family to bless you. Oh, yeah. ah. 
Can I tell you something? God does not need permission from your bosses to elevate you. God does not need a meeting, a committee meeting to decide how he wants to do what he wants to do in your life because he chooses out of his own will to do what he wants. So the Bible says he lifts the poor out of the dust. He's the one that can lift someone today and establish a person far above every other person that has gone ahead of them. And you can't question it because he is God. He chooses out of himself. He's a God that can lift someone who has never tasted, who has never stepped foot back. I mean, I can pesky. And God can lift that person. The person can become the president of Ghana. Ah, and make the person president of Ghana and cause the person to travel across the globe. Because he chooses who to put. He, the Bible says that he's the one who chooses kings. He chooses where to put them. He's the one who lifts. And he's the one who abases. So can I tell you, people of God, that God does not need permission from anyone. No, no, no. He doesn't need any counsel. In fact, God does not need a council meeting to decide Deborah. In fact, I want to do this in Deborah's life. Okay, Angel Michael, Angel Gabriel, all the other angels, come. Let's discuss. Should we do it for Deborah or should we not do it for Deborah? Then one angel said, oh, last week Deborah thought some thought that was not good. So, Father, please, we'll not let her do it. Then another angel said, ah, I don't like Deborah's nose. So, we can't. Then another angel will say this. No, no, no. God does not need any such meeting to determine whether or not he will bless you. And when we say that God is able, it means that God's power does not work in a vacuum. It works with principles. And this is where the problem is. That God's power does not work in a vacuum. It works with principles. That if you don't abide by the principles that God has stated in his word, no matter the power that God has to do what he says he will do, you will not see it manifested in your life. So if the principle is be diligent with your work and you are lazy with your work, you, look, I can pour one gallon of oil upon your head. You will not see the blessing of the Lord. If the principle is that give so that God can open doors for you to also have, and you don't give, there's nothing we can do that will make it happen. Look, it is a matter of what? Principle. So there's power. God wants to work his power. Look, in the same way as your pastor, no matter the power of God that God wants to release in and through me, if I don't prepare, if I don't spend time in the word, I don't spend time in prayer, and I come here, look, no matter the power God wants to release, it won't, it won't happen because he's not a magician. It works by principles and that is why people of God I'm here to tell you that although God wants to do much more than you can ask or imagine you've got to allow him to let his principles work in your life so you can see the manifestation of his word in your life but look at something so he says that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think but he didn't end there he says according to the power that works in us so the Apostle Paul is saying that God can do everything. But it's, it's going to be according to the power that is working inside you. So, so I got the power. The power is here. But if the power is not working, there is no way I'm going to see what God wants to do. Because you see, the power that God placed inside of you must correspond to the power that is inside him. So if the power that is inside you is not working, there is no attraction to the power of God and so there's absolutely nothing that is going to be working in your life. So when Paul says that God works according to the power that is in us, he says that this all-powerful God can do everything but he needs something to be working in your life. And when we talk about 
but the power that Paul uses here is, 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 is dunamis. It means that it's a power that is entered into you and working in you. Can I tell you something? John 1 12 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The moment you gave your life to Jesus, do you know what God did? He took out of his power and released the power inside you. Oh, some of you did not get that. Because you don't believe you are powerful. Oh, I am powerful. So God released the power inside you. But he says that God's ableness to do what he wants to do in your life responds to the power that is working inside of you. So once you start activating the power inside of you, then God's power begins to respond. It's like a magnet, a magnetic substance. The moment the power inside of you begins to work, then God's power responds and then begins to meet it. So, so Andrew, if you have faith to believe that you can build a four-bedroom house, I'm using that as an example, just a material example. But if you have the, the faith to believe that you can build a four-bedroom house, then if that is what is inside of you and you are so convinced and you believe God for it, that is what you will be able to do. But do you know that you, the same person who can believe that you can do a four-bedroom house, you can still believe that you can do a one-bedroom house with just some small kitchen in, and you will still be able to do the one-bedroom house with the small, because what is working inside of you is what is going to correspond to the ableness of God to do what he says he will do. So I was trying to look for the nearest example to help us to understand this. Then the Lord took me to Adikis people, ECG. Now, have you realized that although we are all consuming electric power, electricity power, we don't all pay the same bills? Do you know why we, we don't all pay the same bills? We don't all pay the same bills because what is working in your house is not the same as what is working in my house. It's not the same as what is working in this house. So when they generate power, in fact, I'm not going into all the details, but when they generate power and it passes through all the transformers and it gets to our house, in Ghana, all of us are at 230 volts. That's what comes into our house. So we all have the same voltage of power coming into our house. I mean, all of us have 230 volts. It's coming unless you have a problem with your current. But 230 volts, all of us have 230 volts. But the wattage consumption in your house is dependent on if you have a microwave working, you have a rice cooker working, you have a washing machine working, you have a fan working, you have an AC working, you have a fridge working. Now, if you have all these things working in your house and Deborah has only lights working in her house, what you will consume is not going to be the same as what Deborah will consume, but you are all receiving the same voltage of power. So we have all been given the same power by God. Pastor Yima has the same level of power as you have. You also have the same level of power as your sister has. But can I tell you something? The level of consumption of my power is going to be dependent on what I accept in God's word. That if God's word says I can be this, then I accept it. That becomes a gadget in my life that is consuming power. Oh, you didn't get it. So if I believe that God can do this, then I'm consuming the power. If I believe God can do this, I'm consuming the power. So some people believe that they can be holy. And yes, they believe it with all their hearts. So they are very holy. But they are poor because they don't believe the other part of the scripture that says that even though you can be holy, God's desire is that you can also be rich. So until you believe that you can be holy and you can
can be rich. You you only be consuming the holiness of God and be denying the wealth of God. Someone also believes that I can be rich, but they don't believe that they can be holy because they think that holiness is something far away from them. So they are wealthy in the faith, but they are living lives that do not honor God. And so they are not seeing the full extent of God's power. Can I tell you, people of God, that we don't want to settle for anything less. If God has 10 for me, then I want to go for all 10. If God has 20 for me, then I want to go for all 20. I don't want to settle for 3 and get to heaven and realize that I could have had 20. Ah, I will get to heaven, yes. I'll have my crowns, yes. But on this end, I want to enjoy the healing power of God. I want to enjoy the righteousness of God. I want to enjoy the holiness of God. I want to enjoy the riches of God. I want to enjoy everything there is to enjoy in God. Yeah, the fullness. The fullness of all that God says I should have. No, no, I'm not settled for less. No, I'm not settled for less. How come you are having 230 volts, you're having 230 volts, but our bills are different? It's because you pay the price. The price to go and get the washing machine came at a price. The price to get the microwave came at a price. The price to get the rice cooker, it came at a price. But guess what? Your life becomes much easier after you have paid the price. Because whereas I am finding coal pot to try to put the rice, you just put the rice cooker on and you leave it and go and do all that you want to do and it sets your rice for you. Whereas I am using soap and water and struggling and washing, you set your, your, your fully automated washing machine on and it is washing because you have paid a price to acquire it. Can I tell you the things that are in God to experience and to enjoy, you've got to pay a price for it. And when you have paid the price and you begin to enjoy, do you know what people say? Ah, she has gone for medicine. Oh, she's done this. Oh, she's sleeping with some men somewhere. But they never knew that you came across the word of God and you discovered the revelation in God's word and you understood the things that God said in his word. And he said, I will not settle for less than what God has. If it's going to take this price, I want to pay this price until I get it. Until I get it. Sometimes my siblings laugh at me and they tell me that I like fasting too much. And my, my mother tells me that you whatever you want, you tell me, I'll tell your father to tell God to give it to you. Because sometimes they don't understand, but they don't know that there's a price that I want to pay. Because where God wants to take me to, it is not going to come by eating and drinking. When I am here and I'm having an overnight fast and I'm not eating and I'm weak, it is only because I'm expecting something that God is about to do. So whereas you are eating and drinking and I'm fasting and praying, I'm paying the price. When the time comes and God elevates me, you can't stand somewhere and tell me that I went for some medicine somewhere that I went for this because I understood that God wanted to do much more so I had to pay the price for it. There is much more. How I, I, I pray that this message will get into your heart, into your spirit, into, your, into every part of your being that there is much more. Ah. So church, you don't believe that all of us can come to church even though they've not expanded the roots. But you don't believe that all of us can come to church and all of us will have cars. That all of us will park and go and park across the street. You don't believe it because you want to settle for a bicycle. Talk to your neighbor and tell the person there is more. Oh, turn to another person and tell the person there is more. Oh, can I, can I, can I try to wrap up this message? Ugh. So, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 to 4. It says, as his divine power has given to us all things. Please, can we, can we stay there? His divine power has given to us what? 
Oh, please. The, the, is it my Bible that is saying that all things? No, when they say all, what does it mean? All means all. So it says God's divine power has given to us what? All things. All things that pertain to life and godliness. So everything that you need to live a godly life and everything that you need to live life to its fullest, he says his divine power has given them to us. Oh, Jesus. Some of you have not seen anything yet. He says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So when he's saying that, it means that everything you need to live a dignified life, God has given to you. Everything you need to live a holy and righteous life, God has given it to you. Everything that pertains to life and godliness. So can I tell you, Kavod, that in this church we are going to have holy and righteous people. We are going to have godly people who honor God. At the same time, we are going to have wealthy people, dignified people. So when people look at your life, because in this world they can't you see, the difficulty in this world is how one person can live these two in a good balance. That's the difficulty. To find someone who is so wealthy, yet honors God so much, yet reveres God so much, yet works in holiness so much, yet works in righteousness so much, and yet when you come across the person, the person is still so humble, and the person has all the wealth in the world, but he doesn't brag about it because he knows his source is God. And, and, and when you want to take the person through some dubious means, the person will tell you, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, we, we can't do that. No, no, we don't do this. We don't, we don't do this here. That, that God says that you can actually live that kind of life. A life of abundance. A life of dignity. And still be straight in your ways. I pray that God will cause that to be our portion. See, God is looking at the condition of your heart. Because some of us, the reason why God is not elevating us into that realm is that by the time he gives you wealth a little, holiness will be compromised. So, he has to take you through process. So, he says that as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. So what he's saying is that this that God says he has given to you, it is actually through the knowledge of him who? Jesus Christ who has called us by glory and virtue. In other words, I, how much you are going to experience in God is dependent on how well you grow in your knowledge of him. So the more I know him, the more I know the things that he has for me, the more I live the life that he has for me. So I know him more. Then I get access to more of what he has. Because you know, even in human realms, when there's a wealthy man or a very um, a dignitary or someone who has influence, have you realized that even though there might be so many people around the person, not everyone has access to the deeper things of that person. 
It is those who know him more and more that know how to appeal to him and how to be able to get into certain places that others cannot get. So the more I know, like for instance, we are five siblings, but the one person who can work my father's mind is our little sister. I mean, she knows how to get him to do things that, like, when I think about it, I can't make any sense of it. But, so, we all know him, but we all don't know him at the same level. Me, when I'm going to my father's room, I knock. She, when she's going to my father's room, she just walks there like, like it is a room. Because, you see, the level of knowledge gives you a certain level of access. So if you want to get into the deep things that God has for you, brother, sister, you've got to know him more. Because the more you know him, the more you know what to do to please him, to be able to get him to do what he says he will do in your life. Because you see, the more I get to know God, the more I know that when I touch this button, it touches this button in God's heart. And then when it touches this button in God's heart, God smiles and releases his favor. So when I know that, that, for instance, I'm coming to preach, and this one thing a lot of ministers don't know, that when you're coming to this, this is a very sanctified and holy place. It doesn't matter whether it's a house or carpet or whatever. Once we say it is a place where the word of God is being released to people, it is a sanctified place. So I discovered this principle, Andrew, a long time ago about God, that when I am coming to feed the people of God, it is a moment of high consecration. So the night before I turn my data off, you will not get me. I don't attend to anything. I'm not watching anything in the night. I'm not reading anything. All I am doing is I am just focused. God, use me. God, have your way. God, let your mercy, Lord, have your way. Lord, work through me. Because I understand that that's a button that God wants you to press. And I got to know that by getting to know him. So when I got to know that this pleases him, then I said, ah, so if this pleases him, then this is the way to allow him to work through me. It is a matter of total consecration so that he can have his way through me and when he is done he can receive the glory so I got that that is why and I'm not bragging I'm not boasting but that is why I thank God that on so many occasions he uses me to bless people it's because God wants to use but are you consecrated enough for him to use so there are principles the more you know him the more you discover the principles the more you discover the access to the things that God has. So I want to ask you a question today. What level of access do you have to the things that God has for you? What level of access? Some of you in God's house, you are only at the gate. Or you have not even entered the compound. Some of you, you are at the porch. You, you've not been given access into the bedroom. And some have actually gained access and gone into the bedroom. You know, someone's bedroom is their most intimate place. You can't just get... You, when people come to your house, you don't just let them walk into your bedroom. The farthest they get to is their kitchen, their, their hall. If you allow the person to go to their kitchen, it means you, you, have, you have given the person another level of access. And it's not just anyone you allow into your kitchen. If you allow someone into your bedroom, then it means that... No, you trust this person. You have a certain kind of relationship that you don't mind you can allow the person. And God says that, see, the level of access you gain into the deeper things of God 
is dependent on how well you know him. The more you know him, the more access is granted. So I pray for us that we'll grow in our knowledge of God. That as we grow in our knowledge of God, we'll grow to understand the things that please God and the things that honor God and the things that make God happy and the things that make God smile. And when you begin to do that, you begin to gain access into things that you never thought of. Some of you, God is just waiting for you to start serving in the house of the Lord. Because service is a key that unlocks the door of honor. And the door of favor. So God is just waiting for you. The moment you start serving, that door is open. Different, different doors. And let me end with this. That there are many doors and there are many keys. In God's house, there is nothing like a master key. Ah, I got this one. So it solves everything. No, what prayer will do for you in one particular area, it can't do for you in another area. Because in another area, it might require giving. In another area, it might require soul winning. In another area, it might require service in the house of the Lord. In another area, it might require humility. In another area, it might require diligence in your work. In another area, it might require sacrifice. There are different keys to unlock different doors. So some of us, you'll be fasting and praying and God says, I've given you the answer already. And you are still fasting and praying. I've given you the answer already. Because what God wants you to do, he has already told you. But you are refusing to do what he says you should do. So you're not getting access into that door. I pray that we will not be frustrated. Like my little girl, she takes the car key and she's trying to use it to open a door. A house door. And you know, she's trying hard and she doesn't understand why the key will not enter in the first place and open it. And she's so frustrated trying to use the car key to open the house door. But the car key is not meant for that door. So she can stay there all eternity. It will not open the door. And you know what? A lot of believers are behind certain doors in their lives. And they have been there for years. And they are still there for years. And they are fasting and praying. And they are crying. And they are doing everything. And the door is still not open. And they are frustrated like my little girl. Because they think that God has abandoned them. But God hasn't abandoned them. God has given the keys. But you are using the wrong key to open the right door. So you are not gaining access into the things that God has for you. So when you get frustrated, it is not God at all. Please, if anything at all, I came to tell you today that God is not at fault. Look, there is nothing wrong with God. Maybe you can title this message, there is nothing wrong with God. Absolutely nothing wrong with God. So your frustration is not, it has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with you and how you are dealing with what God has given you to you. And I pray that we'll have more in our lives that will not settle for less. In Jesus' name.